0: Welcome to Celebration Church Online. We're so glad that you've joined us. We want you to share this broadcast with as many people as you can. We believe that it will bless and encourage us all in this season. Remember to continue reaching out to your loved ones. Stay connected with each other, especially with your self-family. The Bible gives us a pattern to look after one another. Let's speak His word and His strength will carry us through. Continue checking our social media platforms. For updates on Facebook and WhatsApp. We encourage you to share this content with all your friends and family. We're back again and uh, I am very thrilled at the response that we're receiving from people regarding this series that uh, I've been doing on the foundational series. And I will be uh, this week and then next week I'll be kind of closing it out. But I believe that What we're learning and what we're being challenged with is critical to our development as the uh, children of God. And uh, so over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the pairings of the foundational doctrines that are found in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verses one through three, which says this. It says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, Let us go on unto perfection, or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, of the the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. Uh, This week I want to look at the last pairing, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. We've looked at the others in the last couple of weeks. In fact, for the last three weeks, we talked about repentance. We talked about faith towards God. And uh, today we talk about baptisms, but I want to talk about this last pairing. In Hebrews 6 and verse 2, it says, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying out of hands, then it goes on and says, and of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. This final pairing uh, was well covered in the Old Testament, as well as the new. Uh, Do you remember the argument between the Pharisees and the Sadducees concerning the resurrection of the dead? Well, the Pharisees believed in all things spiritual. They believed in angels, power, healing, and the resurrection of the dead. But the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They came into a place of hopelessness because there was no resurrection in their theology. That's what made them sad, you see. I know that's a bad joke. My wife hates that joke, but Sadducees. Do you remember how the Sadducees tried to ridicule Jesus and they tried to ridicule his belief in the resurrection with the story uh, in Matthew 22 of the woman who married seven brothers, one after another, and all seven died. And they asked Jesus in verse 28, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? for they had all had her. That's what they said. They've all had her, so which one will she be? Well, Jesus didn't have any time for their phony logic. In verse 29, he says this, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Verse 30, he says, for in the resurrection, they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I love this He's saying, and in verse 32, he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, let me tell you something. The Sadducees did not like that answer. <sighs> Apart from the Sadducees' belief in the resurrection, uh, was clearly orthodox. The Sadducees didn't believe in it, but the, 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 the Jewish teaching... Uh, was seen, and we can see it in the story of Martha. In John 11:24. 24, uh, Martha said this, I know that he, Lazarus, will rise again at the resurrection of the dead, or the resurrection on the last day. Martha had a deep faith in the resurrection. She knew that there was a resurrection to come. Jesus didn't falter in it. Uh, he agreed. He says that, yes, there'll be a resurrection to come. But then he goes on to say, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, this belief was also shown by Paul's use of the division between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he he did this often to get himself out of trouble. He would get the Pharisees and the Sadducees to begin to argue, whether in front of the Sanhedrin or in front of the Romans, uh, because they were sent to keep the peace or to uh, keep these Jewish people from destroying each other. And the Sanhedrin. He, one time, Jesus, uh, Paul was in front of the Sanhedrin, who were made up of Sadducees and Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of the day. And he began to get them to fight with each other over the issue of the resurrection of the dead. In fact, in Acts chapter 23, verse 6, it says, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, that there is no angel, angel, there is no spirit. But the Pharisees confess both. I believe that the Bible clearly teaches that there is a resurrection of the dead. In fact, both David and Job certainly believed in the resurrection. Job in uh, Job 19.25 said this, For I know that my Redeemer lives... And he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Boy, you know, I've often used that message to, uh, or that verse to preach uh, sermons around funerals. Uh, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Even though the flesh of my skin perish, even though I die, I know that there's a resurrection. Out of the power of the grave, I will see Him again. I will yet live. These are are powerful, powerful messages. Uh, Again, listen to David, both speaking prophetically about Jesus and of his own soul. In Psalm 49, verse 15, David says this, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me." You see, the truth of resurrection and the coming judgment, it was also explained to Daniel by the archangel Michael. In Daniel chapter 12, and verse 2, it says, "...many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt." You see, to those who die outside of Christ and outside of the power of the gospel, they're going to awaken, but they're going to awaken to shame and everlasting contempt. But for those in Christ, you and I, we look forward to everlasting life. Now, it's, it's sad that these elementary and timeless truths are coming under fresh attack today. Unfortunately, this is taking place mainly from within the church. You see, we've been misinformed about the gospel. And today, one of the side, uh, the one side of the, the scriptures grace and love have been preached to the extent that people consider the prospect of eternal judgment somehow to be inhumane. Well, the Bible warns of apostasy, the falling away, which refers to a departure from true faith positions. The Bible says that mockers and scoffers would be evident, all questioning, where is the promise of His coming? You see, there are many who just cannot accept that truth demands justice and that a loving God would allow a person to live or die by their own choice. But the Word of God clearly places before each person the choice of life or death, blessing or cursing. And then we're encouraged to choose life. We're encouraged to choose the blessing, the blessed life. But in an attempt to explain these doctrines away, there are many who twist the Scripture And in so doing, they undermine the scripture, and they undermine the faith of many. Look, surely Jesus' warning in Mark chapter 9, in verse 44, verse 46, and verse 48, he says the same thing. But we should take this to heart. Three times in a row, Jesus warned about hell. He said, Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He described hell as a place where their worm does not die, and the fire is never quenched. Now, if Jesus was so adamant, I think this ought to settle the matter. God never intended man to go to hell. In fact, it was originally only for the fallen angels who rebelled against God. But when our forefathers, Adam and Eve, rebelled as well, they came under the influence of Satan. And he usurped their position as the rulers of this world, those that had dominion over the world. Their sin caused them through their high treason to suffer the same consequences of their father, the devil. But God, (laughs) being rich in mercy, sent his only begotten son Jesus to pay for mankind's sin. Wow, he died on the cross. By suffering and dying on the cross, Jesus made a way for redemption for us. And although God made the way through His Son, we are all given the ability to remain in rebellion against Him, or we can repent and receive forgiveness of sin, and we can live by faith, be baptized, and escape judgment and eternal damnation. That's amazing to me. Jesus also told the story of Lazarus and the rich man. He didn't give this as some abstract illustration, but he gave it as a fact. In Luke 16, 23, he says, "...and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom." You see, Jesus warned you and I, he warned his disciples and the people that he preached to about the torments of hell. The word hell, in fact, is used 13 times in the New Testament. In 11 of those references, the speaker was Jesus. Here we see the loving Savior warning about the real dreadful dangers of eternal judgment in hell. We should treat His warnings as seriously as we do the wonderful promises He's given us to those who put their faith in Him. There's a plague right now in the body of Christ. And although we cannot be the judge of someone's condition where they end up in eternity. I also do not believe that everyone who dies rests in peace or goes to heaven or is with Jesus. Now, God is just and as such would not make you live somewhere or with someone you hated while you were on this earth. If you hate God on earth and if you are disobedient to his will on earth, you probably won't be obedient in heaven or wouldn't want to be and wouldn't want to be with him there. Think about where you stand today. Are you growing in your love for Jesus? Or have you begun to grow cold in your heart? Are you, look at, are you looking expectantly for his return? Are you looking at spending eternity with him? Or have the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things begun to choke the once living relationship you had with your Savior to death? We've seen a progression through these six foundational teachings, these doctrines, these six truths. Each seems to be predicated upon the ones that come before it. It would seem that they're paired. We are warned not to go back and have to relay these foundational truths. We're called to advance, to maturity. In fact, the Bible says to perfection. What then are the elementary principles of Christ? And these six foundation truths. You see, all six of these truths are key parts of the Old Testament, Old Testament understanding, but they are also elementary principles of our walk with Christ. But I also think that the six doctrines point to everything that the author of Hebrews was teaching in the first five chapters of the book of Hebrews, and then what he goes on to expound later on through the rest of the book of Hebrews. You see, This author regarded these truths about Christ's person and his nature as being elementary. (laughs) They were glorious, but they were elementary, basic. That must be right. For if we do not have a proper grasp of Christ's glory, his person, and his work, then we can't properly understand the gospel. You see, the, the three pairings are foundational gospel truths. Although we are no longer practicing Old Testament ceremony we can see that these doctrines clearly spelled out in the Old Testament truths. It is the starting place on which Christ himself built when he preached the gospel. Christ didn't destroy the Old Testament revelation. He fulfilled it and he built on it. When the author of Hebrews warned the Hebrew believers not to lay foundations again, I think he was saying that Old Testament revelation and Old Testament ceremony had its purpose, but it is fulfilled in the revelation of Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Understand this, that the writer of Hebrews was writing to Hebrews to tell Hebrews to stop being Hebrews. He was warning them that if they turned back to Judaism, that they were going back to a system whose time was over, they would be forsaking the substance. For the shadows. You know, uh, God never wanted us to have a form without godliness, a a type or a shadow. The types and the shadows were to point to the real thing. The Old Testament were full of types and shadows and were pointing to the real thing. Uh, I often gave this illustration. I I give this illustration. My wife uh, one day was in our old house uh, watering the garden. And when I came home, I couldn't find her, but then I walked around and I saw her shadow because the sun was setting. And I could see the watering hose in her hand. I ran over and I jumped on the ground and I began to kiss that shadow. No, I didn't kiss the shadow. I followed the shadow to the real thing. That's exactly what we do in the Old Testament. The Old Testament points to the cross, points to Jesus. And we see darkly as through a glass. Then the full light of day comes in Christ Jesus. Now those of us on the other side of the cross can point back and we see the types in the shadows. We don't go back to them, we don't worship them, we go and we take these truths and we see the fulfillment of them in Christ. So let me conclude here. These verses that we've been dealing with here in Hebrews are very relevant to us as believers. Although they were addressed to wavering Jewish believers, There's still a challenge to us to be sure the foundation that we are standing on, spiritually speaking. These foundations are the same now as they were in the Old Testament. And while we must not focus on these truths to the exclusion of the remainder of his revelation, the revelation of Christ, neither can we afford to become detached from these truths. If our lives are not built firmly on the foundation, We will find that our lives will come tumbling down when the storms and earthquakes come our way. Over the past few weeks, we've tackled the issue of foundational truths. Our Christian lives began when we repented from dead works and put our faith in Christ alone, when we enjoyed the cleansing of our sin because we had recognized that it had been taken away by the Lamb of God through His death on the cross of Calvary. And our hope is the resurrection of the dead, looking forward by faith to being with our beloved Savior. As we live in this way, we do not need to fear eternal judgment. You see, we are convinced that Jesus has already graciously borne the penalty of our sin in our place. Now, although we are confident of our position in Christ, we should be compelled to warn others. We are carriers of this good news, and mature Christians that have firm foundations are bold to snatch others from their sinfulness. See, having these basics right, is, it is now up to us to go on to perfection, to go on to maturity. So, so my prayer for you today is, may our foundations never be undermined by doubt or buried by meaningless rituals or ceremony. All that matters is Christ, His glorious person and His finished work for our lives on the cross of Calvary. Father, I pray for those under the sound of my voice today that they would not fear eternal judgment, that they would not fear death, but that they would make themselves right before you, that they would repent, that, Father, they would be moving in faith and and baptized. Father, that they would understand the laying on of hands, that they would understand that they're not fearful of eternal judgment and they would know where they're going to live for eternity. Your grace, I should say, is towards us. May we be responsive today. May we look at our foundations. May we find ourselves not wanting, but desiring you more and more as your day approaches. Today, If somehow this message is speaking to your heart, there's some numbers on that screen. I want to encourage you to pick up the phone. And if you are not sure of your eternal destiny, if you are not sure that if you died today, you wouldn't go to heaven, that phone call may be the most important phone call you could ever make. Call someone, talk to them, have them pray with you, have them assure you, have them show you in the scriptures what is required of us to be saved, to be born again. Every man must give their life to Christ and be born again. Now, I want to encourage you, pick up the phone. Maybe you've just been through real trouble through this COVID crisis. Your marriage is broken or hurt. Your children, you're losing control. Let me tell you something. It's time to lay some foundations. We can help you get those foundations laid. By the way, we're meeting in the church again. Uh, If you sign up, you can come and be with us. Uh, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. I want to make sure that you at least once a month come and be with us at the church. If not, uh, we're believing that the, that this pandemic is going to be over very soon and that we're going to be having you know, large services again, uh, at least increasing numbers. Uh, we believe that God will protect us and heal us. And I also believe that it's important that we... Uh, Keep building our friendships and our relationships. If you're not in a cell group, cell groups have opened again. And so I want to encourage you to get into a cell group. Use those numbers. Call the office. Get a hold of a pastor. Find out where your nearest cell is and get together with other believers. Be strong. Our men's movement, our women's movement are doing amazing things. This is your time. Build yourself up. God has had, there's a shift that's taking place. Let's build strong foundations. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. We hope and trust that you've been blessed by this service. Stay connected with us through our social media platforms, Facebook and WhatsApp. As we go, stay safe, stay blessed, stay connected.